Hey guys, welcome into the third episode of the MLS Bench Podcast. I am Joey, and today we have a little bit of a different pod than what we've had so far through the first two episodes and what we will probably have most often in the future. I'll touch on that in just a second, along with some other pod-related announcements. First of all, uh, I want to do that thing of asking you guys to subscribe, rate, review, download, recommend, just all that stuff. Um, it's annoying, and I know it's annoying, but that's the only way for this to grow. I'm not big enough on Twitter or anywhere else to really promote this thing well enough. Um, and so I need your help, uh, whether it just be a like or a retweet or anything. Just whenever I see that flash up on my screen, I'm just so, so grateful because that means that people care. And that's what you guys have done through the first two episodes is amazing. And I just want to thank you guys for that um, and ask that you guys, if you guys can continue to do that, that would just be it would, it would mean the world to me, truly, and thank you for all that you've done so far and all that you will hopefully do in the future. Um, yeah, it just means the world. Uh, so, this episode is going to be a little different. It's going to be a roundtable, which we haven't had yet. Uh, if you stay tuned to the end of the pod, I'm going to detail how I want to have more of these in the future. This one uh, was pretty impromptu. Um, you know, I saw the roster go down. I'm like, hey, I have... Uh, these friends in the soccer discord um do you want to get together and talk about the roster and they said yes so uh that's what you're about to hear um this happened in the scuff discord uh the scuff podcast is a very popular podcast in the usmnt and us soccer sphere i really recommend that you guys listen to them they have great coverage on all the uh everything surrounding the us soccer world uh, Adam Bells, Greg Velasquez are the hosts, and they just do an amazing job with that. And they created a Discord that listeners and soccer fans like myself and like you guys can just go in and talk with other people like us who care about the same things as us. It's an amazing community. I really recommend that you guys uh, become patrons. It's not that much at all. You just go on their, uh, the Scuff Patreon and you uh, become a patron and you have access to the the Discord where this conversation went down. Um, you won't regret it. And again, I'm just so uh, grateful for uh, Bells um, and Greg uh, for making this happen. Um, it's a great podcast. Uh, it's 100% listener supported. And I just ask that you guys uh, can support them because they make stuff like this possible and even give me a voice to spread my podcast a little more. Um, it, I'm just so grateful for them. And I recommend that you guys check them out uh so uh what this is going to look like is it's just going to be a round table it's not going to be perfect audio especially in the first 30 seconds don't turn up your um audio at all uh it's very low but it will get better after like 15 to 30 seconds somewhere in there uh it's not perfect audio it's not perfect conversation but this is it's real it's it's our first reactions to what needs to be from the u.s men's national team the roster that will get three or four points at least and will send us to the world cup hopefully um it's a great conversation that i had with uh nate another nate tim uh ben jackie um you'll see uh that some of them were there from the beginning some of them popped in as the conversation went on uh it was just very fluid and 100 uh, what i was looking for so Stay tuned, and you'll hear that in just a second. Um, before I get to that, I do want to touch on uh, 
why some of you are probably listening to this right now. Um, or maybe two reasons. Uh, first of all, I sent out a tweet looking for a co-host uh, last week, I think it was. And first of all, I don't think Weeby would ever listen to this. He has more uh, interesting things to do with his day, I'm sure. But if he is listening to this, uh, I want to thank him so much for retweeting that. It really helped us grow. Um, what happened as a result of that retweet is it's just amazing seeing how many people started following the podcast. So thank you if you are a new follower because of that that tweet and that retweet or if you follow before thank you so much as well um and to address the topic of that tweet uh me looking for a co-host i can say with almost uh almost certain that i can be able to bring a co-host to you guys um probably when the uh mls returns from the international break that's really my timetable i'm hoping for it but again, I'm almost certain that you guys will be hearing a co-host uh, talking MLS and U.S. soccer with me um, at the beginning of April and moving forward. Uh, some of you guys have already reached out. You can continue doing that on Twitter or on Discord. All those links are going to be in the bio of this podcast or, and are on my Twitter account as well. Um, it, I think uh, because of the number of people who have reached out and um, because of the interest levels that they have, I think I'll be able to uh, parse through all the requests and be able to get to a person or maybe a few people who I feel confident can help me out in discussing uh, like a, what I've been doing so far and what I will continue to do, which is just my love for uh, U.S. domestic soccer. Um, it will help grow the pod. It will help make the discussions better. And so if you've reached out already, thank you so much. And yeah, I think we will be able to get a co-host um, with me. Uh, hopefully by the beginning of April, and that would be really, really awesome. So stay tuned for that, and I'll set it, put out a lot more information when that gets finalized. Uh, another reason why you might be listening to this pod is because I sent out a tweet promising an interview with Joe Lowry from uh, Total Soccer Show. That has been moved to next week. Uh, we worked out uh, some details after I sent out that, and we are now going to put that out next Thursday. So just before the Mexico game, uh, where the U.S. will be at the Azteca in Mexico City, I will have an interview with Joe Lowry about all things MLS and U.S. soccer. And I really, really, really can't wait for that. He's such a smart guy when it comes to this stuff. And if I dupe you and you're listening to this because you thought I would have an interview with Joe, you can listen next week and your dreams will come true. If that's the reason why you're listening to this podcast, Please don't leave, um, because I think the discussion that I'm about to bring to you guys is awesome, um, and it's really insightful to how we can have, um, we can all have this love for the U.S. men's national team, and how we can have so many different opinions, even though we care about it just as much. Um, and so I am delighted to bring that discussion to you. It's going to be me, uh, Ben, Nate, and tim at the beginning uh another nate and jack you're gonna hop in too and i hope you really enjoy it again like i said it's not gonna be perfect it's not gonna be you know professional quality but the discussion itself is just it, it means a lot to me because it just shows how this stuff is done best in the community um just talking with people getting to know how they think not twitter speak not 
debates, just a true nuanced conversation um, on the state of the U.S. men's national team heading into this crucial qualifying window. Uh, enjoy that discussion. And yeah, here's myself, Ben, Nate, Nate, Jackie, Tim on the U.S. men's uh, roster that was released Thursday night. Okay, hey guys. So I said I would um, be here with a nice little roundtable to discuss the USMNT lineup that just dropped. Uh, we're recording this about 8 p.m. Eastern time, so about an hour and a half ago. And I got uh, quite a few people here to discuss. I got Ben, I got Nate, I got Tim, and probably some more people hopping in as we go. So before I get to the discussion, I'm just going to quick uh, list the all the players in the lineup by their positions. So goalkeepers, we got Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, and Zach Steffen. Uh, defenders, we have Reggie Cannon, we have Serginho Dest. Now he just got injured today, so he probably won't play that big of a part. So we'll have to see where... Um, what his role is and it will, whether he gets replaced on the lineup. But yeah, for defenders, Cannon, Dest, Long, Palmer Brown, um, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, James Sands, DeAndre Yedlin, and Walker Zimmerman. So just on a quick count, that's nine defenders. Uh, so I believe the, the breakdown is four center backs and five fullbacks. Uh, in the midfield, Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, John Licabusio. Luca De La Torre, Yunus Musa, and Christian Roldan. And up top, uh, Brendan Aronson, Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Jordan Pifok, uh, finally getting called in, Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, and Timothy Weah. So, in many ways, um, pretty expected. In a few ways, uh, a little bit unexpected. Um... Just first, uh, just first, you know, overall thoughts on the uh, roster, Ben. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's kind of what what I expect to an extent. Uh, not a ton of surprises other than EPB and Sands for me, um, and I think those are both trying to make up for not having Brooks, and we won't we don't have to go into detail about that. But yeah, Brooks left off again, obviously, and those two in sort of. Screams to me that Greg's searching for that passing option out of the back, um, and maybe even thinking about a back three in one game. But I'd say the rest of this is relatively predictable. Glad to see P. Falk in there, and Legit kind of finally drop. So I can't I can't complain too much about this one. Uh, yeah, I I'm with you on the uh, the P. Falk thing. Like I said, like he finally got called in. I think he's on 22 goals now for a club in all comps, um, which is. It's production that we're not getting from any other forward in the pool, so it seemed like a no-brainer to call him in, and I'm happy that Greg finally did that. Uh, Tim, have you um, gotten a good look at it now? Yeah, absolutely. I think, obviously, the thing that everybody's going to be talking about is the continued absence of John Brooks, um, especially given that I think the options to replace him are not necessarily inspiring. Um, but like you guys mentioned, uh, Peafock is, is a good addition. I'm super high on him. I think he's probably uh, it, he's not really the the kind of like combining sort of ball possessing sort of guy that seems like a fit for the way Greg Berhalter talks about wanting to play but given that I think in this window there's going to be some you know, just lump it up to the tall guy sort of play especially in Azteca. It, it makes a, a ton of sense and he's a guy who if he gets a couple goals I think he can really get going for this uh, for this country too. Somebody somebody made a uh, comment that was comparing like striker to 
um, a baseball stat. Um, but anyways, it was making me think that like, it sort of is like, especially with our striker situation right now, we just need someone who we think can like get hot and score a goal. It's sort of like baseball. You just call someone up, to, you know, if, if a guy's getting hits, you just put him in the lineup. Like, I know that's maybe oversimplifying it, but it is like playing striker really is a confidence thing. And it, I think that it, as a coach, like you do have to look at when you're building a roster or something like, Hey, this guy's just not, I mean, a Sergeant who didn't make it like, okay, he had his two, two goal game or whatever, but you know, when you're, when you're not confident in like scoring goals, it's going to be tough. I, I mean, I guess that goes for Pepe and some others as well, but I think, I think that that gets a little bit underrated in the discourse is just like, I dropped Foreman's fallacy in in Discord for, uh, earlier today or yesterday, so, so I can't, yeah, I can't I can't claim to to be of the same opinion. But that, I mean, yeah, you know, there's 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 an area where the psychology of it and the kind of cold hearted statistical analysis of it have to come together. And I think when you look at a guy like Pifak, it makes sense too. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and that's what I would. Um, that's kind of my point as it kind of, like as it pertains to Pifak is like. We we had the Sergeant two goal game, which was like the day that Greg announced the January roster, and people are like, "Oh, he scored them uh, a day late, hours late," or maybe it was just a a nice game versus a pretty bad Watford team that he scored two goals in. Right? It, it can be he can be good in a game, and he also doesn't have to make the roster. But for Pfock, it's that's not true. He's shown that he's had sustained form over basically the entire season at this point. 22 goals in all competitions is a good metric for any player, like any striker in the world. So for him to be getting those numbers, it it should be a locking uh, call-up. And the fact that we had to kind of like hold our breath to see whether he would get called in is more than slightly concerning. But the fact that it happened... Uh, you can't knock Greg for that. He he did the right thing. Um, I I want to move into the, probably the the highest profile non call up though. It, it was almost expected after not being called up for three straight windows, kind of four if you count uh, the injury in October. John Brooks again not on the roster. It's it's basically becoming just a, a fact of life at this point that he's not going to be a part of this team moving forward, at least under Greg Berhalter. Why do you guys think that is? I don't know why that is. Tim, did you have anything on Brooks? Yeah, I mean, I kind of have like a like a longer thought about it, which is that like the the degree to which people kind of rend their garments about his exclusion kind of necessitates him being like basically the best US player ever and I don't think he's that. Obviously he does provide some things that that people want to see like Greg Velasquez does not think he is the best USMNT player ever but he certainly wants to see the type of passing from the center back position that only Brooks can provide basically from the current pool and if Greg Berhalter prioritizes different things I think he he in, his, in Berhalter's eyes, I believe he thinks he's prioritizing not giving up goals or not letting guys in behind over that sort of passing out of the back. That is, you know, just yeah. is what it is. That, that's his priority, and that's, you know, people kind of have to dip into the conspiracy theories where where it's not necessary, which is the the level to which he 
views Brooks as helping the team, maybe reasonably high, but it's not as high as would necessitate, oh, this guy's got to be here every time, and when he's not called up, it's a controversy. I think there are enough good center backs that Berhalter sees that as unnecessary, and you know whether or not we disagree, <laughs> it's, it's his call, too. Yeah, I mean, I get going with safety over passing to an extent, like especially now when you know giving up a goal, getting get, letting somebody in behind could be the difference between us making it or not making it right now. Whereas, I mean, yeah, you could argue with the passing, maybe he would open something up, but like realistically, it's not like he's producing goals every game or something with his passing. So, uh, yeah, that's probably right that it's, the conspiracy talk is like a bit much, but. And and it could be like a very small factor, which is like the dudes don't like each other, but I don't think that's the main factor. Yeah. Berhalter is a guy who understands his job is on the line by winning soccer games, and he's going to do what it takes to win soccer games in that uh, situation. And I'm not—I yeah. haven't been a big Berhalter critic, but what you just said there—that he like he he knows that his job's on the line—I would assume so. Like most coaches, especially national team coaches, know that, especially and with the the expectations of a program like the United States, it, it is make the World Cup or you failed, essentially, uh, as we did last time. I don't know if he's been coaching like that in every game, though. Like, I, I can't... There have been moments where I'm like, is he going to just try stuff out and see what happens, or is he trying to maximize points in every single game? And I don't think that there's a good answer one way or the other of, like, do you try and just take the three points, play your best lineup every single time, do exactly what you know what to do with, or because there aren't friendlies along the way, you kind of have to, if you're going to try and change stuff up, there's only one place for that, and that is World Cup qualifying. Is he performing like his job is on the line? I'd say overall yes, but there have been times, and there have been, I know we're talking about the roster, there have been specific call-ups and drops. It's like, is he actually, you know, like, I don't, I would assume so, but do you guys actually think that that's the case? I think that the youth and uh, relative international experience that our rosters have had kind of necessitates that uh, experimentation, uh, as does the three game windows that are a new feature of uh, the current cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Out, something to be said for being like an unprecedented format and there is no, there is no like manual written about how to deal with three game windows with no friendlies in between and all that sort of stuff too. But yeah, no, I, I think you got a good point there. Nate. Yeah, I agree too. I think if you're, I mean, given that there's no friendlies, you sort of have to, have some level of experimentation and yeah and i think that there's one thing too that gets lost is like giving berhalter some credit for playing a lot of young guys like it's easy for us to say oh you know these guys are all way more talented than whoever's out there but i mean it is tough to call it is i don't know tough's the right word but yeah it, it could be seen as a risk to call in a bunch of 18 to 19 year olds and some of them worked out some of them haven't but um yeah i, I think he he you have to experiment to a certain extent. And I think in terms of the job on the line part, he's, I mean, I wouldn't say he's coached like his job is on the line until I would assume this window, he's going to be a little more pragmatic maybe, but I would, I mean, I would say the, the Panama away game 
is, is an example of he he was trying to coach with his job on, on the line and just backfired. He wanted to kind of save guys and, and scratch out a draw there. And, you know, if it had worked, it would have been fine. We'd be feeling much better today, but it didn't, and it backfired. That doesn't mean he wasn't coaching like his job was on the line. It means he was coaching like his job was on the line and did a bad job of following through <laughs> with what he needed to do. Right. 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 Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And people say, like, and I, I see so many comments, like, and this is why you try to take all three points from every game. Like, experimenting with a different lineup or a different formation and trying to take three points are different things. Like, it, like they didn't, it's they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can try to play a three back and put your best players on the field in that position and think that that could work, and it doesn't work. It, there are different ways to achieve three points in every game and And i i think the criticism that he hasn't stuck to one system and that hasn't allowed the players to flourish that is a legitimate criticism but to say that like trying a three back at honduras was just for the sake of experimentation and he didn't care whether we won or tied or lost that i don't think that that's correct at all yeah and also i mean just because Panama backfired doesn't mean that was necessarily his fault either, even though I think everyone wants to play it that way. I mean, I, you know, the players also really just played poorly. Like, maybe that was it. Really? Not at all? Oh, that's not <laughs> yeah, Jackie, you're good. We can hear you, Jackie. Oh, no one was responding, so I wasn't sure what the deal was. No, I was okay. going to say, I don't know that you can say that that particular game was him not trying to win or whatever, but Greg Berhalter has shown a remarkable lack of self-awareness when it comes to which games he is expected to win and, like, how to talk about games that he doesn't win. Like, I'm not sure if he read some business book or something that told him to not ever admit when he messed up, but... Him, I I still remember when we lost to Mexico and Josh Sargent missed that penalty and he was out there like, like basically saying that it didn't matter that we had lost, you know, and like he, the way he talked about the team after the Canada game too, like that stuff sticks in your head, right? So yeah, it, 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 that game might have not been an example of him not caring or not not caring, right? But He's shown it before, and so, like, you can't say with certainty that he would never do such a thing, right? And I think that's that's where, I, I'm as with someone you. who is what the opposite of a Greg Stan is, that is where my frustration is a lot of the time. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. That like, he had he shows a certain flippancy in basically everything he does that can 100 percent be perceived as him not caring, which is a, a legitimate knock. Like, I'm, not, I'm 100% there with you, Jackie. Jackie that is, it, it's a legitimate knock. Um, just so I can quickly get this out of the way, um, our Brooks conversation kind of got disjointed by some bad audio, which is n- nobody's fault. But uh, here's a quote. Um, Derek Ray on Twitter um, got a reaction from Brooks directly. Uh, quotes uh, as follows. He says, um, this is Brooks, uh, in quotes, months ago, I accepted responsibility for my play and the decision that kept me off a roster. Now, I'm happy I've regained my form, but unfortunately, I wasn't invited to camp. I accept this as the coach's decision, but I won't accept that I can't change this before the final World Cup roster selections. There should be no questions about my desire to play for this team. 
My plan is to fight as hard as I can to make it back to the U.S. men's national team. My American identity is at stake, an identity some have questioned over many years. We Americans have been, have all been down and out at different times, but we always fight back, and I plan to do the same. Um, reactions to that quote specifically? God, it gave me chills, especially the bit at the end. People have shat on him, or, or sorry, people have gotten on his back for uh, not being American enough, or, you know, like he was part of that German-American contingent that Jurgen Klinsmann brought in, right? And I, I don't know, I think it's a really, really good quote. And like, you know how we were talking about Greg's remarkable lack of self-awareness? This shows <laughs> an incredible, or incredible self-awareness right? Like, this is the opposite. Um, I think I think it only contributes to the uh, villainization of Greg when it comes to Brooks being called up or not called up, because this is such a, like, this is a really gracefully put together statement, whether or not it was written by a PR guy or not, right? And especially this in comparison to if Greg says something about form or he says something about other people being better or whatever. Like there is very, there are very few things that would be in character for Greg Berhalter to say that would make him seem, make his reaction to like, or his answers about the questions around Brooks seem legit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, the American part is, the American part is, that's ridic- that's incredibly powerful, and I think throwing that in is a good reminder that, I mean, and, and he said it through the rest of his quotes, but I think that's really the one that hits home, is like, he still wants to be a part of this team, he's not giving up on this team, and he knows that, like, through his past experiences of being questioned, that he know he's not taking this for granted, and he's also not saying he's also not giving up. And I think that's good to see from him, but also it's the stuff that you want to see from any player who we know has the talent that has been left off the roster, right? Like I, that's not a Brooks specific thing that you want them to keep fighting, and it's better for everybody if we have this competition within even just twenty eight men uh, for the national team. Yeah, I thought I thought. The, the term that Jackie used there, self-awareness, is like perfect, but it almost, I, I was very impressed with the statement because Brooks showed not only that he's self-aware, but that he's kind of aware of external perception of him and, and that he doesn't like the external perception of him either. So it's kind of like a, a second degree self-awareness a little bit. And frankly, I was not expecting that out of him to, to say, okay, I care what people say about me in terms of my American identity. I care about people thinking that I'm not American enough and those sorts of things. It's, it's pretty powerful to say, for him to say, like, listen, that's not, I don't want to go down with that reputation, whether it's, whether it's because I'm not getting called in right now and not playing for the Americans or because, you know, whatever happens down the line, I don't want to ever be seen as not American enough. I thought that was like incredibly powerful, especially obviously as we all know his story that he is a guy who, you know, only I think visited America as a teenager, but he's a guy who does strongly identify with with his American identity as well as his German identity. It's something that is not easy for for I think probably people who don't have a dual nationality to, to understand kind of the tensions that he's under. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I mean, 
I guess it's I just, I, I think like think about people who don't get why people are upset that hasn't been called in. I think it's not just that he's good. I don't know that I think he isn't like in the starting eleven. I I wouldn't be able to compare him, frankly, to Miles or to Walker. But I think the bigger things here are like Greg, when talking about John Brooks, has come across exactly as flippant, and he's has he's come across about other things that the fan base feels are serious. And in a direct contrast, John Brooks' statements about not being called up, he's had two now, have been very self-aware, very intelligent, very mature, and like have shown that he really wants to be around. And I think that is like what is irritating to me, who is kind of like a a storyline narrative feelings fan. Um, right? Like I fell in love with this team in 2014 after John Brooks scored, or like around the time when John Brooks scored that goal, right? And so now when I think of Greg not calling him up, I just think back to that goal and I'm like, that guy was so excited to be there to play for his country. And if it is not form, which I don't think it can be said to be at this point, then like it, it just doesn't make sense unless Greg literally just doesn't like the guy. Um, and if that's the case, then frankly, he shouldn't be the manager of the U S men's national team. Um, or, we all collectively as a fan base need to acknowledge that he's goofy like we did with Jurgen Klinsmann, which I have also brought up in the past. But like, we all acknowledge that Jurgen was crazy. And so when he made roster decisions that didn't make any, make any sense, people were like, yeah, well, he's nuts though. Like, you know, there, there, there wasn't a lot of like, it must be XYZ strategy. Whereas I'm seeing a lot more equivocating around like, well, it's probably because, or like, oh, it's because his distribution is no longer needed or something like that. And it's like, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I, I think he just doesn't like the guy and I just want to understand that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like Brooks is aware of the, the meta narrative around him not being called up. It seems like this right. statement is yeah, that's what this trying to address that means. and yeah. not encourage the um, perception that it's due to interpersonal issues. The statement is, is like, yeah, it's, it's a, the statement feels like a not a clap back at Greg, but like definitely like a message, like, hey, I'm still here, I want to be around. Like, I this isn't my this choice. Statement says. This statement I thought was trying to address the fact that people kept saying he saying like, oh, he's not being called up because he doesn't want to be benched. This statement said to me, I won't be called up. I won't be on the roster. Right. I don't think the statement said it's not because of a conflict I have with Greg. I think. I mean, we just don't. It was very clear to say roster over and over and over instead of starting 11 or team. Right. Yeah. Ben, did you have something on that specifically? No, I was just gonna say I, I yeah, I just I just don't we don't know about the personal part, so I just won't say anything more. No, I, I think I think not speculating about what it could be on the personal side is good. I think ignoring the fact that there could be something else there, it's probably necessary to throw that in there that it could be something else. Now, 
hopefully it's not. Hopefully everything's good and, you know, it's, it's truly just a play style dispute and we can, you know, criticize on, you know, soccer grounds, but, uh, I guess I'll leave it there uh, for that specifically because we still have a bunch to get to. Um, defensively, uh, besides Brooks, Aaron Long called back in. Um, James Sands called back in. Eric Palmer Brown called back in. Now, I don't think that these either of those uh, three guys, uh, I would assume all three would play as center backs, are going to get a start, at least in a first-choice roster. But do you guys <laughs> we're so good at interpreting what it could mean? So, do you guys have any thoughts about, you know, what this could mean that we're getting three relatively untested, at least recently, players uh, to be called into this final roster? I mean, Who I don't want to... Go... Eric Palmer Brown? Where did he come from? <laughs> Why was James Sands called up and not Cameron Carter-Vickers? These are the questions I would like to have in. He's clearly really, watching the Scottish League if James Sands is in here. So how is CCV not onto, onto this roster? I genuinely, not to bring it back to Brooks, but I genuinely think that this just like reeks of him trying to replace the passing that Brooks gives with these two guys because I, I don't know as much about um, Palmer Brown, but I've heard he's a good passer and I know Sands, like that's why he rates Sands is because he knows he can pass. So it feels like he's trying to like sort of just... I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird way to do it, but I feel that he is trying to somehow make up for that. Tim, do you have thoughts on uh, either of these center backs or um, on what I guess we would presume would be the starting two in uh, Walker and Miles Robinson? Yeah, I think a big part of it is we kind of know what uh, Walker and Miles lack, and especially if. As, as kind of we've talked about, I think already, a potential back three against Mexico. Putting one of those guys in with with the two guys who we presume to be the starters and kind of saying, hey, this is this is your specific role within a three-man back line is to kind of be the more distribution uh, strong CV could be a little bit more uh, of a reason that it would make sense to have them. That obviously makes it even weirder to not have John Brooks. So, so who knows? But I think that... Um, when you look at, I guess, maybe trying to bring along younger guys who are, who bring some of what Brooks brings, and um, I, I don't think anybody's going to accuse James Sands of being more um, laterally mobile than John Brooks, but um, maybe there's more upside because he's a few years younger. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. If, if, if anything makes sense, that makes sense. It is odd to call in Palmer Brown now, though. Like, why? Uh, yeah. He's the, he's the, go ahead. It's pretty out of left field, if we're being honest. Like, I know we track these things closely as, you know, hardcore USMNT fans, but, like, I mean, someone who's even a, who probably watched a few of the qualifying games would have no idea who Palmer Brown is. Like, I mean, that's way out of left field, if we're being honest. Well, yeah. even someone who's in a, a relatively high awareness uh, category for USMNT, who just, you know, doesn't have a, streaming service or cable package that shows the French league. I don't think they would have any idea who Eric Palmer Brown is. Or I, I should I say, this, I, I don't, because I don't have a streaming service that allows me to watch his games. Uh, I think to some extent we overestimate how important that is, though. Because cause we're the sickos. We, we think everybody's the sickos, and 
potentially Greg Berhalter is looking at the decisions that he makes and says, there are no sickos. I'm just going to pick the guys who I want to pick. It doesn't matter, you know, what streaming service <laughs> a fan has. Oh, no, I don't think that roster decisions are or should be made based on fan awareness or how much they like players. But Wait, why not? These are marketing entities that make money. They've pushed these characters on us as audience members for years and years and years and years, right? Like, they're well, most of them now. Sort of most of these people, I had no idea who they were before 2020. I, I would say because they were in a normal 16. world, in a normal world where we have a, a four-year cycle and rhythm that they're used to. Maybe, maybe it would be a little bit different. We wouldn't have kind of, you know, characters, beloved characters being written out after season one or whatever. Uh, sorry, sorry to, uh, sorry to see you meet your, your grizzly end, John Brooks, for example. But I, I think <laughs> because of the kind of unprecedented schedule and frankly, Bre Greg Berhalter not caring what we think is a big part of it too. It, they, those both come into play and they say, the the job is to is is to make the World Cup that our our story arc of making the World Cup is more important than the the minor character story arc of of Cameron Carter Vickers or whomever. So whether yeah, we like it or not, I think it makes sense. I guess. Go ahead, especially then. for the Lesnar players, but I think it does. I mean, I am sympathetic to that point that I feel like they could do a better job of that. And like, other than just you know focusing on Geo and Pulisic, that if you know they did try and tell those stories, but. Yeah, I think in this specific situation, they're not thinking about that with, you know, who's the backup defender. Yeah. And I think it's I, very likely that Palmer Brown doesn't see the field. Right. Uh, kind of like Joe Scally, uh when he was called up initially. Right. You know, and, and, and that, he's and there to get a look at the guy, not necessarily to be a contributor or even someone that makes the 18. Right. A hundred percent. And that's kind of my point. Jackie was making a, I'm honestly kind of with you on that point that to a certain degree, these are marketing entities and certain players attach just something different, either a name value or just a little something extra. I think Christian Pulisic is certainly one of these players. Weston McKenney is one of these players um, that just like they provide something intangible to a national team um, like ours that doesn't get that much attention in the mainstream. I would say that calling in Eric, Eric Palmer Brown satisfies basically none of these things like he's not going to play probably he he's not like a marketing entity but i am with you that to a certain extent these call-ups can act as um you know promotional like especially if you're calling up Pulisic if you're going to start Pulisic that that matters if you're going to call in Eric Palmer Brown i'm not sure it matters that much but i he has been playing well for, I don't know how you say that. Troy's is how you would say the team in like non-French pronunciation. I'm I definitely butchered that. Um, but he's been playing well for a not great side in the French league. Um, and I have heard from people who have watched him over the years that his passing is developing now better than it was in the past. So that's good. Um, I don't think it's going to matter that much, uh, unfortunately, because I don't think he's going to. He's he's necessarily a even second choice um, center back, but I think we've kind of touched pretty good on the center backs at this point. Uh, 
maybe I'll just go back for a second and hit the keepers. Um, Horvath, Johnson, Stefan, th- those were my three predictions um, heading into this. Is anybody really surprised? Akaga would get called up. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. Can they can they take was it a is it a roster thing where if they take four then they have to drop someone somewhere else or I it, no, no, I think no. we're still limit. using That's unlimited rosters. Yeah. Then, then then why are they not calling up Gaga is my question. That that, that was my so, question. I yeah. I think it's a political I think there's a political deal where there's no there's no advantage to, to pissing off the fire to call up a guy to not play. Because that's a great point. Fire wants him to stay healthy, and it, again, it might not be something that that gives us. Isn't all it good for the fire? And makes us happy. Yeah, they're worried that he's going to get hurt. Would be my guess. I, I obviously can't speak for the fire, but it seems like because he's such a young guy and it's so important to what they do, they want him to, you know, kind of minimize the potential for him to get hurt. Would be my guess. I, again, I'm just guessing, but. I can see where they're coming from. If I were if I were Burhalter, I would say I don't care. He's it's the senior national team. You're not going to be able to deny call ups in the future. But he seems to be a pretty big relationships guy, uh, for better or for worse, in some situations. Particularly within the league, because he has those connections. I, I'm sort of with you. I think it's kind of like he could get hurt playing against. I don't even know who they have next week against a mediocre Western Conference team. That can happen too. So I don't think it's like. I believe that that could definitely be his reasoning. I think it's a very valid point. I'm saying that the reasoning itself may not be valid in that situation, but I think he's had an incredible start to the season. He's been basically the best keeper in MLS uh, through three games. Um, again, small sample, but still been the best keeper. Uh, kept a shutout in each of those games. Made some good saves in each of those games. Uh, Horvath playing well at Nottingham Forest. Took that uh, starting role from Samba. Uh, Stefan finally back on the bench for City on the weekend, and Sean Johnson just continues to chug along at NYCFC and continues to get these call-ups, so he's in a pretty uh, enviable, enviable position. Um, but if Stefan... Go ahead. If Stefan's kind of... Oh, sorry, I didn't interrupt you, man. No, no, you're if good. Stephen, if Stefan is still kind of hurt, and we've seen what's going on with his injuries, I wouldn't really trust that he's like, should be thrown into Mexico. Okay, so then that gives us really only two keepers, and Sean Johnson... Mm-hmm. Hasn't played a big game for the U.S. I mean, I guess they're just, you know, he's got a lot more maturity than Gaga, but definitely not more talent. He hasn't performed as well in the last couple short, you know, obviously that's a small sample size, but last couple games. So now, let's say Stefan gets hurt in training, then you have two keepers. I mean, I guess you can call up Gaga then, right? I mean, yeah, if he gets hurt, you can obviously call him players. was why did Sean Johnson get called up over, over Gaga? Like, I don't watch a lot of MLS to, to be honest, so I can't. You're on an tell MLS you, podcast, Jackie. Watch I understand. Words. I I understand. I'm I'm just stating the facts, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Y'all knew what. You, well, I guess the people listening did not know what they were going to get with me, but you specifically, Joey, knew what you were going to get with me. I did. Um, from my from my understanding, though, um, NYCFC has had a bunch of goals scored on them, and the Chicago Fire have not. So, right. So why yeah, is Gaga I mean, not in the fair. roster and Sean Johnson is? Yeah, I mean, through the start of the season, it they let up a late goal to the Galaxy. Uh, they got a um, they shut out. Didn't, get, uh, didn't they get four scored on them at, in CCL? Oh yeah, yeah, CCL, yeah. The, the CCL that was a rough game. It was at Comunicaciones. 
Um, Which was the last game that, that he played. But ju- literally think, terrible I mean, for him, but yes. As a as a goalkeeper myself in in a late in a past year, like seventeen is crazy for a goalkeeper to even be pro, let alone going to the Aztec or playing against Panama. I mean, I Sean Johnson is certainly not as talented and probably not in as good a form, but I think if I was the coach I would still probably go with him over Gaga right now. And I'm like the number one Gaga stan on the internet. So Yeah, yeah. So so far Sean um, is a grown man and Gaga is essentially a baby. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think but I think he should be called in every time possible just to make sure he doesn't go to Poland because that would just be the biggest L of all time. Yeah, we gotta keep sure. him. But, We've seen the comments about how good he could be from uh you know top keepers. Uh what, what were you gonna say, Nate? Uh, I think if Zach Steffen can walk onto the field, he will play. I cannot see a situation in which Ethan Horvath starts unless there is something that would prevent Zach from even being on the bench. Is that because he's Berhalter's guy, or because yeah, I, I or like because of form? Because like I would prefer Ethan Horvath just like as a keeper, honestly, right now. Yeah, I think it's because he's Greg's guy. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Hasn't this roster proven that he's all about his guys? <laughs> I, I think to a certain also, extent, yeah. Also, editorial note, briefly, I realized that I had manually muted by accident when keyboard smashing both Ben and Nate. So if I talked over you about 15 minutes ago, it's because I couldn't hear y'all, which also explains why I said, why can't I hear any of you? Editorial <laughs> note over. I felt really bad. I felt like, I felt like you guys must have thought I was a jackass. But (laughs) well, more so than (laughs) usual. I wasn't gonna say it. Yeah, I talked about technology. I talked about technology. Um. Anyway, editorial note over. Sorry, just really wanted to get that out there. Um. What I was gonna say was, uh, I think. Zach is perceived, at least based based on like Twitter and the behind the crest videos, which I you know I admit are not the best proof. I think Zach is perceived to be more of a leader than Ethan Horvath is. So like separate from form or whatever, I think like there's this sense of like he's the boss man or whatever. Like that would put him in goal as well. Um, Horvath gives me similar vibes to Serginio, but less charming. Um, he really you know, does. Serginio's a weird dude, but Horvath is a weird dude that hasn't done anything particularly endearing other than be really into Pepsi Max. And, 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 and Horvath has had his... Hilarious. He's had his, like, endearing on-the-field moments. Right, right, right yeah. That's, I was gonna throw that That's out there. why I desperately wanted him to be called up. I, I, because it really, it really made me upset when they kept playing his clips over a roster he did not get called up to. You know what I mean? Like that felt very unfair. Um, so I'm glad he finally got his call up. And every time he plays, he seems to like have a good enough game that it makes him want to cry at the end. And so part of me feels okay with him being on the field for Azteca, to be honest, because he seems to be like a fairy tale type goalkeeper. Uh, and there are just some guys who are just that guy. Um, but he is like the only soccer player on the field who ever tucks in his goalie shirt. Have you noticed that? I respect that. You know, like from like four years old, you're told tuck in your shirt on the soccer field. So I, I think he's channeling his 
he, he, I'm going to be kind and say he, he's reminding us of his roots, where he came from. The streets of Denver. <laughs> look at, <laughs> I like that. If you look on. at the Nations like League, <laughs> if you look at the Nations League video, um, like or the videos of him playing in the Nations League final, his shirt, his long sleeve neon green goalie shirt is tucked in. His shorts are hiked super far up, and then his socks are hiked over his knee, like they look like thigh high socks, right? So like. Know how to dress. He can't start in Azteca. Long, no, long socks I get because that protects your knees as a goalie. But untucking the shirt, I, I started doing that when I was like eight, and I could get away with it. So yeah, the tucked in shirt is hilarious. I was yeah, about but he's, to say but he's he a pro, and you're not bad. Child so. vibes, so true. Also true. <laughs> Very subtle roast of Ben. Cannot right argue down. with that. It's just like he's an overgrown boss baby. You know, I um, mean, all anyway. these things, all these things honestly make him extremely endearing to me. And I don't think that these have to be bad things. I think that yeah, no, he's, this he's, is he's brand. Like, he's, he's like a weird little nerd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big nerd. yeah. That's why I love him because yeah, he's, awesome. he's a big baby. He's a large baby. <laughs> he's, That's he's, a very Joey comment, but in a nice way. <laughs> he looks very nice to talk to. And the the invite is uh, open. If Ethan Horvath ever comes on the pod, I will uh, share these comments with him and get his opinion. Um, I don't see that happening though anytime soon, unfortunately. But uh, midfield, um, this is the one that I'm like no big surprises. There, I don't, I didn't have anything to hold my breath about. I think I honestly named, I named seven midfielders, and the only one who I named that was not on this roster uh, was Sebastian Legit. I thought he would get in. Because of his start, of, uh, start to this, his start to the season with New England. Now last night uh, against um, Pumas, uh, yeah, that was rough. But to be fair, has scored. Um, Nate, you were there in the game that he got his first goal with the Revs. We talked about that on episode one. Um, but he was not called up. Uh, I think, and I think rightly so. Many have kind of been saying as a result of this, his time with the national team is probably done. Um, I think that's a pretty fair assumption. Uh, Acosta, Adams, Busio, De La Torre, Musa, Roldan. Um, no big surprises, I think. And correct me if I'm wrong. My not like my best three out of that group that I would throw together in the Panama game, which I, we can all agree is the must-win game, is Adams at the six, De La Torre, and Musa at the eight. Uh, any qualms with that? Hearing nothing. I agree with you, but I think Greg's going to put Kellen on the field. He he will. Kellen will get on the field at some point. I would put him on the field for the Azteca, honestly. Yeah, I think he's going to play ninety there. Yeah, a hundred percent. He's such a like a. uh, I don't know if you want me to swear on your podcast, but great. Shithauser. He's a shithauser. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. (laughs) I'll I'll just put the little explicit tag by this episode, and we'll be all good. Um. (laughs) Yeah, he's the only guy we have that does that. Which I mean. The only one. Well, Geo. Geo does that. Geo, Geo, but he's a, Geo's a, a softer version Geo. of that. He's a, yeah, he's like a more passive shithouser. Besides, <laughs> besides, besides uh, the moment that Walkie uh, very famously documented the Honduras game, that was, uh, I don't think that was um, kinder than anything I've seen Acosta do. But Acosta's like the guy who's gonna like very subtle, like subtly come in and do it, like the penalties and all that 
whereas Geo, like, he will get in your face. Just very different styles um, of, you know, going at uh, the CONCACAF uh, stuff that not enough for players have, and I hope we get to a point where everybody is a Kellen Acosta. Uh, I agree that he will see 90 probably against Mexico. He will see time in in another game, I think. Um, I think Gray trusts him enough that he will come on to see out a game. He is that kind of... He's definitely the second choice at the six. In Greg's mind, he's probably the second choice, or I guess third choice, at any of the eights, honestly. I like... Say was I think you guys misinterpreted what I said when I said I I think he's gonna put Kellen on the field. I meant I think he's gonna put Kellen on the field, like instead of Luca Della Torre. Oh, and on, like that, I think it's gonna that would be, be the most surprising uh, thing. I, I would AMA midfield. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't honestly. I I'm not gonna say I wouldn't be surprised because he did give Luca the match ball. Um against uh, at the end of that Honduras match and hopefully I think Luke is just more of an eight in the in this system than um Kellen is but I would not be surprised to see Acosta slide in as that second eight Musa lockdown starter he's just a joy to watch um Rodon probably not going to get minutes besides maybe some throwaways at the end of the game uh especially if we're up big or down big uh that seems to kind of be his thing at this point um just gotta hope that adams stays healthy like that's why i would put acosta um versus mexico i i don't trust adams health enough to be confident in it i and i don't think that that's a particularly bold opinion like remember, he has to get through three games he has a yellow too remember he has a yellow as well right so you want to you want to save him Right. It, that, that's actually the main reason to not play him in Mexico, yeah, in my opinion. I, I was going to say, I don't I think the injury is as much of the problem as the fact that he won't be able to play in Panama if he gets another yellow. Like, I, when, when we were kind of joking about right backs, like, I, I was worried that Greg would big brain him into the Nick Lima right back role no in, in Mexico no or something. Um, and you know, you say that, but like I get it, I get it, but that is that is that is like you allowing your fear to to let you. He know. played <laughs> Kellen at left anything. back in the Nations League final. It wasn't that long ago, if you don't recall. Sure. I just think the main thing with this midfield lineup is that there's not it, it like there's no options that are better that we have, but. Luca De La Torre sl or, uh, slotting in for Wes or Acosta, just, it feels like there's not enough offense in that. I, I mean, maybe they, we're just relying on the three guys up top and the fullbacks, but without death, especially... And the set pieces. Forgive me, forgive me if you guys covered this ground, but do you, do you see the Sands inclusion as a signal of them going with three at the back? I think this is the point to talk about that, honestly, because with this midfield... Um, because yeah, you could you could easily see okay three at the back. Sands playing that that role that he played at the Gold Cup, where he's like in the back line, but maybe rotates up as a six, and then that that saves you on the need for um, it kind of saves your midfield rotation a little bit. I mean, I just hate it because the one time we tried three at the back in the qualifying cycle was the most shambolic half of of it that was at Honduras. But I could 
yeah, you know, you don't you don't abandon everything you've ever tried just because it doesn't work once. But I, I could I can see it, right? Like I think I think you kind of want to play a pressing. I think pressing Mexico is the best best thing we've done against them, and it was it, it was good last summer. So I could see you kind of play you play three at the back. You run the shit out of Aronson. You run the shit out of Ariola. I actually do think Roldan's best feature is his pressing. So you kind of you kind of run out a team that that isn't your best, but they can press them, and you kind of see what you can get. I don't know. Why not? I, I'm with you on that, honestly. Uh, yeah, we didn't bring up the three in the back. We also didn't bring up the one left back. I don't think that that's crazy to to me like he in the the fact that he's done it in the past like he did that last window uh to we don't have a backup left back anymore and, and my I, I think my guess would be with dest getting injured today which is so sad man like he just had to survive like two more games and i hope that he gets healthy uh very soon my my guess is that the dest replacement is going to be a left back whether it be San, sam vines george bello probably one of those two Dude, what if, you know how in the first window all our wingers got injured and then he called in Jackson Ewell? I... Right, no, that's fair. That's, that's fair. <laughs> you remember he really when did he did that? that? I was alive. I would, I, just... say, I would also say your backup left back should not be your starting right back. Is that controversial? No, no I, I'm with I'm you. Not at all. <laughs> Joe Ellis got torn apart for it in 2019. And, and, now, and now Greg's doing the same exact thing. Right back you. That's <laughs> the national team. I, I, it's like we don't even have that many right backs. Like, I, I haven't bookmarked that many tweets on uh, Twitter, but I, I think I have one here. Uh, no, I don't have it. But um, I saw a tweet once. It was like, all of our players are right backs except for our right back. He plays left back. Like that's kind of <laughs> what it is. Like, <laughs> and now I think with. I know we were on the midfield. I honestly don't think that there's a ton there. And we'll get... I think I do want to touch a little more on that three in the back. But it is... I think... We need to bring up the fact that there is one left back right now. And that's Anthony Robinson. Because he did play 270 minutes last time. I don't want him playing 270 minutes when those minutes include going to 7,500 feet and going to Costa Rica. That's just, I don't want that to be part of this, the 270 minutes equation. Um, so hopefully the desk replacement yeah. is a left back because I hope, we and I hope that. it's Bellow. I hope it's Bellow and it's kind of related to the three at the back. I hope it's Bellow because I like him going forward and I like him, um, as a wing back better than as a pure left back. So again, if if I if I have my druthers, if I'm the czar of U.S. soccer, right, I'm saying, let's let's have Bello be the replacement, and let's go with three at the back and Bello on the left at the Azteca, and then we essentially do our normal thing with Jedi, um, hosting hosting Panama. The the I, three. I hope, it, I hope it's Scally because I'm a certified lad. That's all. <laughs> the thing of three at the back though too. If Sands is playing in the middle. The outside spots, like if a team plays back, so like let's say Panama, sit, I guess I guess that'd be for Mexico. So we're assuming they're going to play high, but if a team sits in against that, it relies on your outside center back to pass, which 
I don't want to open that discourse up again, but I, Miles and Zimmerman are average past. I'll open it. I just cracked open a beer. I could go all day, baby. Because that, that, like, if a team concedes you space, it's to the center backs in that outside channel, and then you're kind of relying on them to, like, clip the ball in. So maybe um, it's different if Mexico is playing high, I guess. I, I, I don't, As you guys all you probably mean. know, I watch a lot more Zimmerman than anybody else, but that's it's, – it's not going to be – something that he's world-class at, but it's something that he's really worked at, and especially not not clipping the ball, but, like, just taking the space and then, like, you know, doing a kind of run-of-the-mill short pass. But that's something that he's really improved, and I don't know if Berhalter sees that. That's part of the decision-making process if there's a back five and he's one of the outside backs. But it is I've... something that, you know... Passing has always been and, and will probably always be a weakness of Walker Zimmerman, but the athleticism and stuff, the, the the mindset, I guess, would be the other part. The athleticism and the mindset are there to kind of take advantage of that, too. Yeah. I mean, I, there's nothing that they could he, he could do. There's nothing he could do at this point to not start with Miles at this point, right? So you have to build around them. Like, you can't. You can't well, we don't, well, we don't know what Brooks did. If he can figure out what Brooks did and replicate that. I yeah yeah that that's a hundred percent fair. I <laughs> I am happy with the Miles Walker pairing. I like that a lot. We talked about this. Obviously, podcast was not in existence, but we talked about this after the Canada game that we need a good you know s- solid minutes consistently between a center back pairing, and I think this is it because. The performance versus Mexico, and I don't know if it's just a little like sentimental because I was at the game and there was a like it just like it just clicked and it looked really really good. And not once was I like, oh, it's it they've so messed this up that like they look completely not on the same page. They look good hey, then. Really? I even even the balls over the top in that Mexico game was not. It was more on the outside backs for me that being so far wide. That might just be me. But it wasn't like these two have messed this up so bad that it could lead to a goal. That's just not how I saw it. Um, but and I think it's gotten better even since then because back then the time that they had gotten together was like maybe that Jamaica game. Maybe they played together. I I forget. And like the MLS All Star game, and that was about it up to that point. So like I I I'm enjoying this pairing and I'm enjoying seeing them grow together. I I hope to everything that it is a four three three whatever that would look like like tactically because I don't want to see the three back at this stage. I just am not confident in it enough. Say pull it up versus either Mexico at the Azteca or Panama and Costa Rica and potentially uh must win or must get a result games um i think we kind of touched on that left back thing and that was good uh anything else on the three back before i kind of hit the forwards and i think there's a little more nuance in the forwards than there is with the midfielders even the defense my question here and and i mean i know because i know you said you wanted to move on from the left back thing but my one question my question here is who plays left back if anthony gets hurt and if we like don't a, have a left back replacement, you mean? Right. Um, With this roster, right? Because Greg must have, must be thinking, right? When <laughs> he's putting Acosta. together this roster, like 
oh, like there is a possibility that my starting left back could get hurt. So I would move Serginho over and put DeAndre in. Well, there's this possibility that my starting right back could get hurt. And who was his backup lineup? But you also you know, probably I just, have I just think he didn't have so, a, I mean, a full, yeah, it doesn't a make full any lineup sense. of number twos. I think he what do you had, mean it doesn't make any guys, sense? I think he had three guys for two spots. And he was saying, okay, man, two of them aren't going to get hurt at the same time. All right, we're good. What? Okay. If he, not, really not, thought, if he course, really thought that, game. then he has not watched this team. But Remember when all of our wingers got hurt? <laughs> also, Dark aren't they going to rotate? Like what? They so better. If, like I said, they better. I, I think so he was planning you for like very for little rotation. rotation than you expect. But that so that yeah, they're basically signaling that Anthony was going to play all three games the whole ninety. Otherwise, then you got to move Serginho over, and then when's he going to rest? So. Yeah, I don't know. This doesn't make a lot of sense. Who was the who was the third who was the third fullback pair? If both of them got hurt, which is a possibility, Acosta? it has happened. Isn't it Cannon or no? I think it's Cannon. Acosta, Acosta, Acosta some random MLS Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. People talking at once. Tim, then Nate. Okay, Acosta at left back. He's he's a, a left sided, comfortable player, and has played. Oh, left fullback, but I think left wing back at a psycho might have been this, the idea. Maybe I'm just trying to brace arm because Jack, you raised a really good point that that that's a big wolf for me. <laughs> and it's not something that I like. I'm just trying to figure out what could have been the thought here. Thank you. I just like hearing. I that think my the thought is that if something catastrophic happens, there's always the ability to call in additional domestic players, especially for love the season, second game of the window. Uh, that's taking place in the continental U.S. I, I, if Daniel Lovitz gets called up, I, <laughs> I was joking. I was joking. There's no chance he gets called up. I know. I know. Bring your Nashville ways into that. Honestly, but no, I honestly think that Dewan Jones. Hopefully, <laughs> I honestly think that like Dewan Jones. I we all know Matt Doyle has been but hot. You're saying the... to me that he's not on this roster. Just yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah. This would this would have been a good time. I think you have a very different definition of insane than I. Well, am. okay, okay, that's fair. For enough. a guy that hasn't gotten a single call up yet, this. I'd like there. to ask the same question I asked about Eric Palmer Brown. Who is Dewan Jones? Um, um, very good left back for New England Revolution, Jackie. Left back for New England Revolution. He played his college soccer at Michigan State University. He's a product of East Lansing High School. Um, all right, Tim Capedia. That's the full biography. <laughs> I mean, good enough. I mean, that, that's crazy. good enough. He's, he's he's 24 like is not that like young. Five. How did he just come up? I mean, he got drafted he, a couple years ago. He oh, played college. four years in college, yeah. Got it. He's a serviceable athletic left he's back fine. who's not going to do anything special. Yeah. Did Did EPP used to play outside? Or am I making that up? Um, You could tell me anything know. about him, and I would really have to yeah. for it. I don't know. I don't know. Um. I would say that I'm guessing he probably did not play center back as a 16 year old with Kansas City, which is where he got his start. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, well, he, he didn't play with Kansas City as a yeah. KC fan, and he right? Yeah, frequently with issue. That's why he moved. <laughs> yeah, I I would say that the left back, and I yeah, I think we should wrap this up at this point. I know I said that earlier and it didn't happen, but it's fine. Like I love this conversation. Sorry. No, no, Jackie, you're 100% fine. I love this. This is great. I want to do more of these in the future. But um, 
the left back, I think, should be one of Dewan Jones, Ryan, Ho- Ryan Hollingshead, who Doyle's been hot on, who has flown under the radar because he's played for a bad FC Dallas team. But Doyle's not wrong. He has played really good um, in the last couple of years. He could be, you know, in there for a call-up. I think maybe like, if we're in the in the mood of switching right-backs to left-backs, Brooks Lennon and Aaron Herrera come to mind. But it, just from a domestic why, point of view. But again, why, why, for me, why go that deep? I'm with I'm with you by the way. We should we shouldn't be switching right backs to left back. We're in a good enough soccer nation that we have left backs who are good enough to play at this level. So why we don't call up another me. one? Like I don't know. It, like I am not better at soccer than than Greg Berhalter, right? I know this about myself. I probably am more self aware than him, which is why I know that. And so if I, as a normal person, am able to be like, hey. So if two people get hurt, who plays? Like, how did he, how, like, he shouldn't need to call up a rando, right? He should just call those people up because yeah, he's allowed I to call agree. up whoever the fuck he wants. It's well, kind by of that coaching. logic, why not call up four deep at each position? I agree with you. To be honest, why not? I mean, at least two deep. Like, that just seems like basic coaching. I, I think people want to criticize Greg, like, that's a very fair point by Jackie. Like, that's a basic thing when you're just writing out a team. Like, let's have a backup at this position. It doesn't seem like it needs to be that galaxy brain. Okay. We're hoping that a guy who's played every single game for Fulham, basically, is, like, going to continue playing every other day for, like, the next week. And then... yeah, That's, like, what the championship is. The championship's, like, you must play either a midweek game in the league or a midweek game in a cup. And it is a crazy so he's schedule. Extra games, right? He's been playing even more games than the Premier League guys, and now he's about to play three games. Yeah, right? so so for the championship season, uh they play forty six games, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just league I mean, schedule. Uh forgetting um Carabao Cup and FA Cup, which they both or which Fulham is probably added on maybe like Six, seven extra games. I'm not 100 percent sure. Anyways, low in the conversation. I'm gonna. Uh, Sorry, no. you can you can actually move on with the left back conversation now. I just needed to get out my. You should have taken that opportunity to say, "Okay, I was trying to move this along. Here we go." Yeah, I know. I, I honestly no. I'm. This is fine. I don't even care. Well, um, there are lack of eights too, so Jackie can revel in that. Yeah, yeah. So so much reveling oh, and gosh. lack of. Yeah. Um. Well, the thing with the eights is, like, you could put James Sands up there. Right, know. right. Like, I, that That's a solution, right? Like, you can just put James Sands, and then we have seven. Gio Reyna is the 10 and play some weird Christmas tree formation. Or, like or, or Brendan a- Brendan Aronson at the 10, like we did versus El Salvador, which is oh, still one of the most ridiculous. That That is underrated. Like, we had Gio Reyna. I'm not going to get into it. That's... uh. For people who want to make themselves not happy. Um, Are you talking about was, it's for people? He was, in, the... he was an 8 in that game, for what it's worth. But yeah. Like, Aronson? <laughs> it wasn't right. Yeah, he wasn't he, at the 10. Yeah, he he wasn't really at the 10. I mean, I think that He's was... the more pro- advanced of 2-8. That, that, yeah, that was probably yeah. great. Yeah. I, and that's what I would say. I think it was probably Greg's idea. Like, we're going to have so much of the ball. We're going to be dominant. We can just... He can do whatever, whatever he wants. 
but we didn't have enough of the ball. So he was just kind of a, a central midfielder, which isn't his position. But we were talking about lack of uh, lack of call-ups in specific positions, left back, um, maybe center mid, but that should be fine. Uh, not at forward, where we have one, two, three, four, five, six, nine. seven, eight, nine forwards. Yes. Uh, Brendan Aronson, Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Jordan Pivak, Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, and Tim Weah. I'd say I can basically pick off two or three that I wouldn't have expected. And they're actually in sequential order. Uh, or I, w- I would have been a little unsure about uh, coming in to the roster release. Jordan Morris, Jordan Pivak, Ricardo Pepe, all players who either are... In Jordan Morris's case, um, not really haven't been called up for injury uh, for a while now. Uh, in Jordan Pifok's case, coach's decision, uh, twenty-two goals now um, in all comps. And Ricardo Pepe, that's the opposite. Uh, he has been called up all these uh, for every window now. I think, including um, got his first start in that Honduras game, uh, so he's been called up in every window. And he has not been scoring. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess my question, at least to start it off to the group, would be what what are our opinions on the striker rotation? Because the one thing that we can be darn sure of with Greg is that we will not get 270 minutes out of any striker. So what are we thinking uh, with the three that we have? I'm surprised you think Jordan Pifak is questionable because name another American forward that has a double-digit goal tally this season. And that was not the that was not my point. My point was he hasn't been called up in a very long time. I think I don't think he was called up for the second window. So his last start for the national team was September the. F- mm. Gonna go September the fifth against Canada at home. So if yeah, that's been well, a long time. Jesus Ferreira hadn't been called up before last window, and he started the first yeah. game. No, he he, he, he so got like, he, he got called up in the um the he played the, the, the he played the Mexico game. He actually kind of assisted the Weston McKenney goal, kind of. Did he really? Yeah. God. He he should have scored in that game too. He could have made a trace Lacero. But yeah, I I think it shows you how much I know about about pull the Dempsey. Um, yeah. <laughs> to, to your question, to your question, here's my baseline. I'd, I'd start Pepe at Mexico, um, mostly just because young motor pressing. You guys heard my my premise about how I think we should approach Mexico. Um, I'd start Pereira um, hosting Panama, just because I think I, I'm I'm buying the narrative that he's the nine that opens up our play the most. Um, and then obviously, I mean, look, the third game you should, you shouldn't, you can't plan for actually. But I don't know. I, I'd start Pfock, and I think you, you use Pfock as your I need goals super sub. Um, we've already we haven't got a whole lot from Greg uh, Triple G here, uh, but what we did here is why Pfock because goals, right? So that's that's the way I'd go. Yeah, this tells me, Pivak being called up, although I personally think he should have been called up before, him being called up now tells me, because uh, that, like, he, Greg is kind of actually nervous. 
um, about the goals thing because he's used PFOC as the a goal man before, like he did it in Nations League. Um, and so he's like a break glass in case of type of guy for Greg. Um, which, to be honest, I that makes me feel a little better, like uh, that he 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 thought to bring a break glass in case of. Um, I, to be honest, like the striker pool is like, yeah, any of like five guys could have been called up, and I would have been like, yeah, okay. Like right. in my in my opinion, we just needed like Jordan Peefock for the break glass in case of, but it could have been Josh Sargent. Who is like? I mean, Jossie would be like very similar stylistically too. I honestly right, yeah. right, but we cannot call up the second string Columbus crew striker <laughs> I'm not, I'm not for the saying, US. I'm not saying he should have been called up. I'm saying stylistically he's similar. <laughs> no, I but yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, I, I had Zardis actually in my prediction. Um, Zardis was a guy who I put in there as like, like he he keeps getting called up. Like why 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 wouldn't he not get called up here in? And this is the window where you have to rely on what you know. Um, the time for experimentation, the time for trying out new people is over. And in the past, that's been Greg's fallback. It's been Giassi. And having him not caught up here, it, it does seem to be that he he's starting to realize that Giassi either needs to start, he needs to look for a trade, whatever, um, or else he, he's not locked in to a starting role, which is nice about any player. Like, hey, you have to play um, uh, to get uh, called up. And my, my point with introducing the forwards was not that Jordan Pifok is unexpected or Ricardo Pepe or Jordan Morris is unexpected. It's that those three offer the greatest conversation, I'd say, because Christian Pulisic it was always going to get called up. Same for Aronson, yeah. Weya, even Ariola, definitely Ferreira. Those three... Offer the well, most wait, conversation. Why I think Ferreira. I think Ferreira confuses think... me because he like people are really high on him, and I like don't quite get it. I, I'm I honestly a big thing with him is, is that he has a style of play that is essentially unique to this to the striker pool. He's the only guy, you know, unless you play Gio Reyna false nine. Shout out to Dingus. Unless you play Gio Reyna false nine, you don't have a guy who can really kind of track back the way that Ferreira can. I don't necessarily know that it's the way that Berhalter prefers to play in if all is ideal. I do think it's something that he sees as against Panama. It might make sense because he can really combine with if you're if you're saving your best lineup for Panama and you put Jesus Ferrer out there, you probably get the most out of Christian Pulisic and maybe the most out of whoever your other winger is if it's Gio Reyna playing on the wing. But the the thing about Ferrer is not necessarily his skills because um, I mean, frankly, they're 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 good to find to good, but um, it's the style of play that he that he uh, kind of facilitates that opens things up for your other guys. I guess would be my. I think Peppy Peppy kind of plays a little bit too, right? What? He, uh, yeah, nah. he doesn't kick back as much. He's probably actually a little bit more technical, but he doesn't have the natural feel for like kind of playing his. His second runners through. Yeah. Right. I, I, against Mexico and Cincy, uh, like specifically on Pepe, his flick-ons were actually nice. He didn't have... He, he didn't need to bring the ball down to his feet because we were just outrunning Mexico in that game. But I'd say that you're right about Ferreira offering the... Like, he will be a part of the midfield. That's what will happen. Like, he will come in. He will... 
actually combine with midfielders, one twos, like checking his shoulder, finding the space, and then he will get into the box. Which and which we all we, we need all love great, in right? this window because Go ahead. because the the mid we need that in this window because the midfielders, in my opinion, like Delatore and Musa are great players, but they're kind of just connecting midfielders. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe Greg sees something with Ferreira that yeah, you almost need that guy dropping in, and you need Jesus dropping in, and then. Pulisic and Weya kind of, you know, tuck a little higher as forwards in certain situations. I mean, I could see that making sense, but I agree that... Um... Right, right. Triple G yeah. loves him, and Double G, our very own Greg Velasquez, is a big fan <laughs> yeah. of uh, Ferreira. And I'm, and I'm honestly... I'm honestly along those lines. I'm closer to Velasquez than I am with maybe you, Jackie, where, like, he... Most people are. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, I think I think <laughs> he just his style is very aesthetically pleasing in a way that not many of our strikers are. And you don't have to be aesthetically yeah, pleasing but to he play striker. Score but goals. but we, does he we need lost to? The one midfielder who scores. Like, Weston, right, scores goals. We don't have Weston anymore. So we have, like, three buzzy guys in the midfield now. And now we're like, you know what we need to do? Add a fourth buzzy guy who's not going to score any goals. That's good. Like, guys, who are, who's yeah, going to score goals? I mean, Christian Pulisic Christian is going to score goals. Really, like, I wouldn't jump on the aesthetic, right? It's He creates chances, right? Like, Right. That's my point. How do you score goals? You create chances, right? Like, I mean, <sighs> we, like, saw, we saw Pepe bang them in at Honduras, we saw him not bang them in the rest of qualifying. Right. Finishing is finishing is is very is is high variance. Creating chances is is not, right? And so like <clears throat> who's the striker that's gonna create the most chances? Help us help the team create the most chances? It's it's Jesus. I I, I totally buy that. I, I'm I'm with you and I think the creating chances thing would be a bigger deal if it was just him up top, but he's got other players like Pulisic who likes to cut inside, like Weya, who we know could play as a striker in the last resort, who likes to be direct in that way, like Aronson, whose his goals and assist numbers, uh, they have it on the qualifying roster, five goals in eighteen uh, games, not bad, <laughs> not bad at all. Um, I I think the the one I'm I'm interested, or the two guys I'm interested to see uh, in the wings position um, are kind of the old guard on this team, I guess, uh, in Ariola and Morris, because particularly Morris, he's scored 10 goals with the national team in 43 games. That's not terrible. Like, I, I think people have written him off because of, and rightfully so, the long absence, basically a two-year absence, but He's a good player. Like I'm not willing to give up on Jordan Morris yet. I think clawing him in now is pony, interesting. Though. He's sort of a one trick pony where like Yeah. Oh yeah. He's gonna get behind he's gonna get behind bad teams and easily score. He is he's worked really hard to improve his game, I think, at the national team level, unless his speed is exactly what it was before the second or third, whichever it was, ACL injury. The utility of that sort of player is limited. 
Go ahead, Jackie. Bringing Jordan, Moore, bringing Jordan Morris as a backup winger just feels weird to me because we already only have, like, four working legs in the winger pool, you know what I mean? And, like, no, we we're bringing five. another guy. <laughs> <sighs> you know, I could do the math, and you'd probably be right. But my point is, right, bringing, he has one bringing leg, that was nine forwards and, like, all of them, all, bringing nine forwards and, like, all the wingers having been injured in, like, the last six months, just, like, feel what? I don't know who would be the guy you would bring who, like, doesn't get hurt all the time because I don't know who we have other than Brendan Harrison, maybe. But I just that, – like, that, ah, it's just a weird pick. Although I guess – you know what, though? Greg, Greg – uh, he's, like, realistically also bringing a tenth because in my head, Christian Roldan's more of a winger backup than he is a midfielder backup. So uh. Another another Greg point. I don't want to back up too much, Joey, so you can stop me. But your point, about, your point about Zardes really kind of stuck with me. Leaving because you were saying you expect him to be in. Isn't that an indictment on Greg that he's out? Like now for these games that matter so much, we have nine or ten forwards and he's not even in that. Like I, I'm, isn't that? I, isn't I get that your point. Admitting, isn't that him admitting that like he brought in his guy basically and it didn't work out? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's I think it's admitting that like he well, I think it's one of those things where like he he brought no. in his guy and it's not working out. But I know you're saying no. I think it's also partially driven by he understands the reality that Jossie Zardes, for the time being, is a 30-minute at best player for the Columbus Crew. And is it just because Columbus Crew formed? I mean, you oh, know oh, that I'm, last But, but I, I don't think... He, but his is, Jan- yeah, I agree with but that his, point. His January, his January call-up couldn't be based on any form because he wasn't playing right. at all. Right. So, no, I, I, so then, why did he get called up? Right, yeah, exactly. I, I think I, and that's why I agree with your initial point that like it is more of an admittance that it didn't work. Now, I'm not in the camp that he was like so, he was the reason we lost to Canada. It, everything no. fell apart because of him. He no. he wasn't a solution, but I don't think he was the problem. I think there was no. more underlying than that. But it's such a waste. We could have had Peacock in, who's now probably going to have to play a key role with these same players. I, I would assume so. Less reps. I, I, I would assume so. No, I think. I mean, Greg... I, I, I see what I see. What I think Greg was probably trying to do, which probably also means I'm a dumbass like him I guess. <laughs> <laughs> in y'all's eyes. But I think he he sees the the picture as the guys that I call in are the guys who give us the best chance to win for this window and for the future. And, you know, because I left John Brooks off, for example, it doesn't mean that John Brooks is not a member of the national team pool. It means that he's not good for this window or a call-up for him at this point is not serving our future. Whether or not he makes the right decisions in those regards is almost a different question. I, I hesitate his job. to say it's a different question. Wait, but, wait, wait, wait. Exa- That's no, his no. job. <laughs> it's... Yeah, but yes, but there are like two aspects, and there are parallel aspects, and and obviously they play off of each other. And he can he can do a bad job of it. Yes, I think most people who who are regular listeners probably think he's doing a bad job. It doesn't mean that doesn't mean that there isn't logic to his to his thought processes, and that like for example, what kind of inspired me to hop in and say this is like. Because he's calling up, because he's not calling up Jesse now, doesn't mean that he wouldn't look back and say that was the right decision. Then, even like holistically looking at the whole World Cup qualifying cycle, I I think calling up Jesse Zardes then was the right decision for now. 
Right. It's just like the, I think he he thinks kind of like in in micro and macro at the same time in a different way than like I agree with somebody you. Who, I, somebody who is who is able to just complain on a message board as we all do every time is able to do. Yeah, I, and I I, I agree with that. that with, I can't square that with PFOC versus Zardis personally. I I guess there's maybe it's the pressing thing, but I. To me, it's like, you know, you we don't have a goal scorer that's been clear the entire time, other than, I guess, maybe Pepe, the first one everyone thought that was a possibility. But I just, don't, I don't know. I think you got to be able to bring Peacock in before to get him more reps if you know, hey, I might need him to go to Azteca and get a goal. Rather this than just go, me- oh, Zardes is going to press it. Yeah, this is the, your, your back's up against the wall, you better win some games roster, right? This is it. Right. This is the guys that Greg is like, these guys are going to get me qualified. And Giazzi's not on, on this list. PFOC is right. Right. And there was no form difference really between January and now. So if he didn't think Giazzi was going to win him games this time, then why is he, why was he on the roster last time? And, and why wasn't the guy who was scoring goals and had any form, right? You're comparing form period to zero. Like, why wasn't he on the roster before? Like, it, it is literally his job to pick the right people, and, and, you know? And, and like, sure, maybe right. I am a guy who is just yelling on a message board, and that's fine, but I don't think you can say, like, that there, the logic made any sense if Giassi is not on this roster. If he was on this roster instead of Peapock, then I would be like, well, you know what? At least he's consistent. He really thinks Giassi's going to get him some goals if push comes to shove. But that's not well, what happened. I think, I think, so, so, again... I, I guess I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. It's just, if you think Greg Buchholzer is the devil, <laughs> but <laughs> the, the the concept is the concept is, and whether again whether or not we agree with it, we probably don't. Is calling Jossie Zardes up for that window accomplishes something that the the aggregate value of is greater than having called yeah, up but what is the thing? for that window? I, I I can't answer that. Listen, I I, Jackie, I don't know the answer. I'm, I, I'm just trying to. Get into right psychology. Let me get in here. I think to kind of bridge the gap between what you guys are saying is that Greg identifies individual problems, and his solution to those problems isn't make players play different. It's bring in different players. And so what he thought for that the window where he had clearly had his mindset on Zardis versus Canada. That's his game. Yeah. That's his moment to shine. It's Zardis versus Canada. Jack, your point of why isn't he bringing it now that shows that he failed is, yes, Zardis didn't have a great game, but Greg's willing to ignore the fact that Zardis, whatever, like everything going into that window, and I think it's we just need to make that point clear that Greg's solution to problems is players, not tactics, and that couldn't be more clear with what happened in that game because his solutions to Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica, which we can agree are different challenges than Canada at Canada, is to not bring in Giassi's artists, even though the form then and the form now can be similar enough. The challenges themselves are different. And I and that's yeah. where I agree with Tim. And I, I, agree, so with, I, I agree. But I, with you I also agree with Ben. Like I agree with both is, people. I, I agree. With one slight nuance, which is sometimes the, the solution to an individual problem is tactical. 
sometimes it's it's player oriented and he's not going to let us know which which reason is behind bringing in Josh Zardes versus Jordan Pifog or behind bringing Paul Ariola versus whomever would replace him the, the the solution can be can be one uh one you know it can be tactical or two it can be personnel but it it is a very specific and narrow solution to the game but also I think he he sees it as his narrow solutions serve a greater holistic goal for the window. I think that's the part that he thinks he's really good at and is maybe less good at. Right. I think game to game he's less bad than people think, but his holistic view is is uh, lacking at times. Right. I think, I think yeah, your point about good, micro and macro point. is kind of the point there. But yeah, uh, go ahead, Ben. No, Joey, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about that, and I think that's really true looking back that he – he he thinks the solutions are a player rather than telling a player to play a different way or setting up the formation a different way. But I think specifically with Zardis, not to belabor, we can move on from Zardis, but I think with him and Stefan, it's hard for me to get away from the fact that there's a little bit of the, these are my guys from the MLS. And like, yeah. I, it's just hard for me to get away from that because no, you're right. you're right. They're replacements. And I just see like someone who's players who are better. And then these guys just keep getting the chances. So yeah, I, I'll leave it there, but I, I, it's hard for me to separate that out, and I think that it has to have played in somewhat. Oh, I, it always plays in. It, it plays in, and especially with like what we're, we're talking about with calling up a new left back and all that stuff, is that he yeah. he views yeah. MLS and, I guess, just generally domestic soccer as kind of the fallback option when yeah. experimentations don't work. And I think in his mind, he experimented just... PFOC versus Canada uh, at home when in his mind, the fallback was Zardis, you know? Yeah. I, I actually really don't... I think that narrative is, is just way too tempting, and I think there's a... There is actually, like, a... There's actually a very practical reason for for that, too, is that he actually he's able, like, logistically able to spend more time with, like, domestic-based players. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh. I mean, it's... Well, it's not, not for Stefan. Stefan... I'm and I'm like I'm old enough to remember a Luca Della Torre declining a Gold Cup column, right? And so you know, the, yeah. the near, I I would like to I would like LLT to have been worked in sooner. I think he would have been a huge difference maker, especially at Panama. Like that is the I think time. That, yeah. And he, the, the answer up. probably lies somewhere in the middle. I, I agree with that. I mean, that makes sense that that availability and and like that's you know that's why Aaron Long's there probably right he's been to every camp he's been around and I get that I just think with Stefan and Zardes specifically it just screams out more than the rest of the roster and specifically because they played for him at Columbus right I I think that the answer does lie somewhere in the middle it's because they played for him at Columbus that he has trust in those guys it's also generally more like the MLS broader view is because he can do a January camp or a December camp and bring in 30 players 30 best players from that league that are American where he gets a bite at the apple every two months at this point for international base players. I think yeah. we can leave it there on the Zarda specific discussion. I do want to get into kind of how you see the winger rotation because we have Aronson, we have Ariola, we have Morris, Pulisic, Reyna, hopefully he's healthy. Um, Wea, like that's a lot of players to fit into. I'm not going to say it's, not a lot of games because you can obviously double up. You can, you know, have six different wingers play those games if you want. But 
he likes to rotate these guys. And again, 270 minutes is just, it's not going to happen this window. It's, it's not. I was joking about there not being a ton of healthy legs in the winger pool, but I was, I mean, I was a little bit joking, but I was a little bit serious, right? I think he had to call up that many people because he literally doesn't know who can play. Like, he doesn't know who can play, and he doesn't know who will be able to can play when the time comes. <laughs> that sentence work? Probably right. not. No, um, no I, I think, but, I think, yeah, you're right. Um, I, I mean, I do, I see, like, I know I've been representing the Twitter horde on this call this far, so what I'm about to say is going to be a departure from this somewhat, but there is a part of me that wants to see the Aronson Areola winger, winger pair, just because it's like, it would be like the Energizer Bunny front three, you know? And like. I agree. Like, that would be fun. That'd be very fun. It would be very chaotic. Uh, but like, there's a part of me that wants to see it with like, I don't know. Who else is chaotic in the midfield? Not like Kellen Costa. Sure. Like, maybe you just know? It could be, it'd be fun for Mexico, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I was actually. Like, um, yeah, go ahead, Jackie. Just, like, people who are just going to run at those guys. And, like, I feel like Mexico is expect. I mean, oh, that being said, like, not starting Christian Pulisic is like a, oh. Um, but I feel like what I was going to say was Mexico's expecting Pulisic and Wea or Pulisic and Reina or something, right? And if you put the Energizer bunnies up against them, I think they're just going to be like, huh? Um, and then Christian can come in, you know, uh, what is it? Oh, gosh, something ex machina. Um Anyway, you know, thank you. Come in and save the day and score his goal, and I'm sure he'll have a new shirt to celebrate with or whatever. Honestly, so I was in the – this wasn't a camp, and I didn't have anywhere to, like, project this, but I was honestly in the – what was it? It it was last window. I think it was put Areola in versus Canada. I I was – I was a pro Areola start in one of these games in the last window because what he can provide with his just pressing and nonstop the the Energizer Bunny on steroids is that that is valuable in in a certain respect and because I don't think Mexico's outside backs are that good at playing the ball like these this isn't I don't know Jordi Alba and Danny Alves this is I mean these are players that we saw last time versus us, they they weren't comfortable with the ball. We had more possession. And then defensively, we were faster than them. So I, I don't think that putting Areola out in the Azteca is the worst choice in the world. Now, I'd say putting him out versus Panama when we should have the lion's share of possession, when we hopefully have Gio Reyna a little, a couple days more healthy, when we have Tim Weah, when we have Pulisic hopefully healthy too. Um, particularly uh, Pulisic in form, you know, it, it has to be a two-start window for um, either Pulisic, Way or, or Aronson, and hopefully Reina gets in there too. I don't think I don't think that Areola, though, specifically would be a bad choice in this game, in, in any of these games. I think Morris is kind of the backup option, but maybe not. Like, we know Greg, we know that he likes Morris, and... Again, I I'm not I wouldn't be surprised by basically any winger combination. So I I'm not alone in that, right, guys? Like, I definitely support Ariola. Okay, 
Like, I support playing um, the pain in the ass 11 against Mecco, right? Like, so, like, Kellen and, like, Ariola. Kellen will get into their mind. Ariola will just make them tired. Like, you know, because, like, we, I, I agree with everyone else who said that we need our best 11 in Panama. Um, and so we might as well just, like, tire the hell out of Azteca and get a point and go home. <laughs> you know? No, I'm I've, I've conceded. Yeah. I don't know that we're going to get a nine-point window. I don't know if you've gotten into the vibes around the window yet. Um, but for me, the vibes are not good. And so for me, I'm like, I don't know. Let's just really bother them. Um, and, like, the Me- the Mexican national team, especially playing against the U.S., seems to be very prone to getting, like, uh, they seem very flappable, you know? They get, They seem to get flustered with us. And so I think the easiest way to get them to that point is to just press them and press them and press them. I just don't think I don't think Greg is I think we I mean we've had this conversation on, on this already but I I don't think Greg is even necessarily technically flexible enough with his coaching to coach and say hey we're going to be Red Bull Salzburg for this game and just go at them with these two guys which I think would be the best tactic I don't know that he I don't know maybe I'm underestimating but to me it doesn't feel like he's capable of translating that to a game or changing yeah. the formation enough to do it I don't know I mean maybe you just say hey we're going to play the same formation, but we're going to just try and tell everyone to play higher. The backs go higher. The back line goes even higher. But I just, it seems perfectly set up for that Red Bull pressing where you just, at the second that the keeper gets the ball, the center back gets the ball, your entire team is on them type of a game. But I don't know. Maybe that's underestimating Mexico. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to give up some possession in this game because we will have starters that will carry over to Panama. And again, we're all in agreement that Panama is the game. Uh, most of us are going to be there, so we want a good performance. But besides the Can't personal wait. aspect of it, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. But besides the personal aspect this is, of this it... Is, this is rude to all of us who can't make it. Oh, <laughs> you this, literally this live, thing. like, so much closer to Orlando than, than I do, and even I yeah. make it. <laughs> and that's I'm why literally you never flying have kids, across the Jackie. Yeah, you know what? That's that's fair. I, having kids for me sounds like a particularly painful experience that I don't know that I want to go. <laughs> um, more so than probably most of you on the call, and in fact, most of you probably listening. So yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I that was I super just wanted to, me. to sounded horrible yeah. to my wife, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was just gonna say, uh, I I know that. Panama is the game we have to win, but there is something about our team that tells me that we're going to get our points. Away. Like, we're like, just watch. You know, it's going to be a six point window, and we're going to win at the Azteca and win in Costa Rica. Like, you, just watch. Like, that, just, just to that make us so in particularly unhappy in Orlando. But no, I, I honestly think that, like, we have to Wouldn't give up it be possession. So in character of our team yeah. to yes. make us extremely unhappy while also making us happy because they qualified. Right, like that would be so in character of Greg and the USMNT that I actually think that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> right, a hundred percent. I th- and yeah, for them to make us happy, we have to be we have to be willing to say we're not gonna put out our best eleven in Mexico. We're not gonna like dominate the ball and just you know nonstop run versus Mexico. We're gonna have to sit in a little bit a la Nations League, maybe? A little bit? Like, in the way that we kind of gave them half-court offense and just kind of struck on set pieces, basically. Which is fine. 
if that works and if Who that gets a stream, it has techos. Like, it's fine. What? And again, another, another problem. Another problem. Yeah. Hopefully, PFOC. Like, but he might not start that game. Whatever. That's, that's just giving me a headache thinking about Mexico. Um, we've kind of covered all the players the way I want to at this point. Uh, just get some general vibes around the window, Jack. You put out the, uh, the bad vibes uh, before we get out of here. Like, what are we kind of thinking? Uh, point totals and maybe potential, like how we see the games going? Anybody to be clear, my vibes weren't even as bad as they could have been. Okay? At least I didn't say we weren't <laughs> going to qualify. Because even I am not trying to speak that into existence. And I have pretty bad vibes. I'm saying it's going to happen in the most pain in the assy way possible. Which, <laughs> but it really, is, it really is going to come down to Panama because unless we somehow beat Mexico, and I guess that changes the tenor of the window, then the Panama game really matters, as we all know. Because if whatever, you know, we tied Panama and then we had to go to Costa Rica, we're so much better than Costa Rica, but they are just a veteran team that is going to just absolutely take every little Concacafi advantage, and it's just going to be the worst time of all time. So, I like the vibe of us getting the points in Mexico. Screw it. <laughs> right, like watching that Costa Rica game. If we need points to qualify, we could win four nil, and it would be a thoroughly yeah. unenjoyable experience because of just how they will play. And we should like they. We're, we are so Costa Rica is not good. They're still playing guys that were playing in the 2010 World Cup. Like they, Ryan they Reed, shout out. But, yeah. Joel Campbell, only 29 years old. We found that out a while back. Maybe That's 30 now. Ruiz is yeah. old enough to like be your dad. You know, like like it's amazing that he's the field. And there's like, there's other midfielders too, like 35, 36 years old. It's not. Yeah, I, oh, I it's, it's not. It's right not now. just. It's not. And obviously, Can we not, not Navas is so good. 36 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying that Bolaños, I, like, they what? deserve to be smart. I'm saying. Okay, Landon Donovan on, on um, what's his name, Grant Wall's podcast, said something about how, like, if we wanted anyone to have open space, like, in front of the goal after a defender, defensive mistake, it was Brian Ruiz. Yeah, <laughs> that's still true. still gets me. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. that, that, that was such a mean call from John Champion. <laughs> it's, remember, it's like, and these days he really is slow. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> This is the meanest thing I've ever heard. But okay. He was never fast, John. Boy, oh boy. That was really something, wasn't it? <laughs> something like that. It was just the it was the worst. If I guess you're a Costa Rica fan watching that game or like someone in Brian Ruiz's family. Anyways, um Ben, uh I need a point total from you. I I, I don't feel right doing this because I this could go any way, but I yeah. I I'm gonna go I'm going to go, so I think that we will draw in Azteca, win against Panama, and draw Costa Rica, so I'm going to say five. Beautiful. Jackie? As I said, I think I think it's going to be the, I hate this team, but yay, we qualified window, where we, we get three points at Azteca, we lose against Panama, and then we get some sort of pointage to qualify in Costa Rica. Oh, God. My blood pressure just went up thinking about that. Yeah, it's going to be the heart attack window, right? Like, we are all going to be anxiously, like, clutching our beers, like, just flashbacking to 2017 as we play Costa Rica. Like, but I, th I think we'll qualify, but I think, I think this team's going to make it hard. 
Is, I think they're going to make it hard for themselves. Is Costa Rica, is that game, so the Panama game's on a Sunday, the Costa Rica game's on a Wednesday? Yeah, it, it's Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, that's how the three-game windows are. They're just tough, man. That's seven. And that's Monday, and two, seven. Monday and Tuesday is going to be brutal. If yeah, uh, bro, that like, would not be fun I'm, on any platform, <laughs> wherever. I might have to take it. work off and just, like, go walk in the woods. <laughs> just just sit just sit on a park bench for 36 straight hours. Uh, Nate, prediction. I think we're going to lose at the Azteca. It's going to be very unpleasant for me on Friday and Saturday in person in Orlando talking with people uh, who are very emotionally invested in the USMNT. Uh, but then we're going to win in Panama. Going to have a great time. I can come back to Oregon nice and relaxed and have a beer on my couch and watch this lose to Costa Rica. But we will qualify, and that's what's important. Uh, Tim? Hey, I'm, as much as I'm a member of the Scally Lads, I'm a member of the 8 Gang more than anything. So Eight-point window, re- baby! Re- realistically. Realistically, realistically, I have the exact same uh, three-game outcome that Ben had. So one, one, three, one uh, wins, and I think there's a decent chance that after the first game window, the first of the three games in the window, I guess, that the U.S. only needs a single point the rest of the way to qualify, and they still get four. Yeah, I mean that—that's what I would be happy with because. I, I just don't see Costa Rica getting nine. That's kind of their scenario. They need to win yep. every game, including Canada, which Canada's basically got the thing locked up, but you know John Herman's Canada's gonna send gonna out the guys to win. To draw them. And, and that's, right. Oh and yeah. That oh yeah. Costa Rica out of the question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Canada will be happy with a draw, but they won't be happy with a loss because that's the one thing that they haven't done so far. They haven't lost a game. Um, which is crazy. Um for Panama, it the, the, it's essentially I think it's either take seven or take nine, but beat us. They they got to win versus us or they're done, um, at least to get the automatic qualification. I mean, the, Panama, Panama and Costa Rica at this stage are both happy with the uh, playoff. Right, yeah. So it's, so they're, they're, they're calculations a good point. are a little different than ours. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, with you on that. Yeah, but I, I don't think – I think people are – down on this team, this U.S. team, for obvious reasons, but don't realize that Panama and Costa Rica are both not very good. It does not make me feel good that our must-win game is against a team we lost to already. Right. It just doesn't make you feel good. Right, yeah, I I know what you mean. I mean, there is no amount of, there's no amount of logic or equivocating or Jackie, think about, that's gonna make it feel better. About us needing to beat a team we lost to, and yeah. the most the most concacafy team of all, and this is an MLS podcast, and they have some of the most concacafy MLS guys out there that are just like, in one game, yeah, they scare me too. If I'm being honest, even though yes, I think we are much better talent wise. Like, uh, yeah, I, I do fear Panama. I think more than Costa Rica actually at this right, point. Right, and and that's the one thing that I love concacaf about is that in a one game scenario, truly anything can happen. <laughs> Even even if it is Annabelle Godoy, like scoring a worldie, and also getting a red card or something like that, like that would be perfect. Cars, he is a good player too. I mean, it's not. I don't think that they're totally bare of talent. No, no, and that's 
I think we walked into that game at Panama and we're like, okay, like we're not like, playing a yeah. great lineup, but we should still win. And it was, it yeah. was, it was a the the intention was to go out and get a draw, and that backfired. If they had gone out and tried to get a win, yeah, probably exactly. Would have yeah, been a draw. I'm with you on that. Okay, well, thanks for discussing this with me, guys. I really appreciate this. Hopefully, we can do more of this in the future. And uh, yeah, cheers to a nine point window or an eight point window. Eight, 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 Only. all day. Got to be eight. Okay, <laughs> throw it back to the <laughs> outro. <laughs> So I hope you really enjoyed that discussion that we just had. I did. I thought we really hit our stride. We brought uh, to the table most things, um, hopefully everything, that had, uh, really is to be discussed from this um, roster that was just released. Uh, hopefully we were able to you know, bring insights into this that you hadn't already thought of or seen other, where, or other places and stuff. So yeah, I, I really love this. And like I, I promised in the intro, I want to do more of these. Uh, that was on the Scuffed Discord, and I again, I really encourage you to become patrons of Scuffed so you can get uh, you know, access to this Discord and other amazing resources like this from them. But I don't want to have to be relying on them uh, in the future for uh, doing this. I want to be able to do it on my own Discord. Um, I've put out tweets. I have the link in my bio uh on twitter it will be in the description of this podcast if you join the discord uh we've already had some good conversation about um all things uh, mls and usmnt and i want to be able to do these kind of town hall discussions with anybody who's interested just to come in uh and talk shop about uh mainly the men's national team um I, i'm going to be doing those probably the day after uh all the games uh in this upcoming qualifying window uh it would be uh march the 24th we play mexico march the 27th we play panama march the 30th uh we had the final game of world cup qualifying at costa rica and probably uh the day after those games we will have hopefully a good town hall discussion um in the discord voice chat uh just a similar similar how we did this it will probably sound basically the same um and we can bring every opinion to the table. So uh, check uh, Twitter, and I'll be uh, posting specifics in the Discord for that. So I really recommend that you guys join the Discord if you want um, kind of real-time updates on how that's going to go down. Uh, probably uh, we're looking at March the 25th, March the 28th, uh, March the 31st for those discussions. So um, again, hope you join the Discord, and you can be part of this uh, in the future. Um, and yeah, just massive thanks to Jackie, Ben, Nate, Nate, uh, Tim for all their insights. I thought it was great. And, um, you are always welcome to join these town halls, like I said, in the future. And they are as well. Uh, it should be a lot of fun and hopefully we can continue to cultivate this community together. Um, similar to how Scuffed is done. Um, I hope to do something similar to that because, uh, it's awesome. And this stuff is why I wanted to do a podcast to be able to see the different opinions um in the US uh, soccer sphere in the MLS sphere, in the MLS sphere and I think only 3 episodes in we've already started to do that and it will only get better from here. So, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Um like I said, next Thursday stay tuned. We have that interview uh now much anticipated interview with Joe Lowry coming um just before uh the US will take on Mexico.
And just before that uh, will be the last weekend of MLS uh, until the uh, end of the international break. So, again, uh, it should be a really, really, really fun next couple of weeks of soccer. Stay tuned for all those places where um, we'll all be posting uh, places that you can join in the uh, discussion. And until next Thursday, uh, enjoy the beautiful game, enjoy life, and hopefully I'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening.